The Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. Before we get to Warren, a few places in the world are more stuck in tradition and stuffiness than Lloyd's of London. It's the world's biggest insurance market in the city of London. There's a trade body that represents the uh, brokers of Lloyd's, and it's recommending that the commercial insurance market, which has prided itself for centuries on face-to-face transactions, lets brokers keep working from home. Now, this has a huge impact because the way in which these deals are usually negotiated, these guys sit in booths and people go and they have a real arguments about um, the, the cost of cover. And you've got these pinstriped brokers. They are obliged by law, uh, the law of Lloyd's, that is. Nearly 50,000 people work in broking and underwriting firms operating in Lloyd's and everyone in the building, everyone, is required to wear smart business attire. In recent years, they have relaxed the rule that men have to wear ties, but they demand smart suits. So it's all pinstripes and fancy hoity-toity kind of clothing. But work from home means that nobody's going to know what happens below screen level. And this is causing something of, I think, a, a ruction uh, within within the company, within Lloyd's of London, within the insurance market, that uh, the, the fuddy-duddy days, unfortunately for some, will be over, particularly if you're a tailor on Savile Row, for example. Personal Finance brought to you by Discovery Bank, the future of banking. Now, Warren Ingram from Galileo Capital, diversification, this word that sounds so easy, it rolls off the tongue. It is just something that, of course, we must diversify. Yes, let's diversify. And then you start looking at diversification options and you look at the world of investments and investing and you suddenly realize that there are 10 billion opportunities. No, okay, let's be more serious about it. There must be a million opportunities in the world for you to diversify into and suddenly it smockles with your brain. I think that's a technical market term. Small calls with your brain. I think it's it's probably the third or fourth thing I ever studied in the investment markets. You're 100% right, Bruce. <laughs> uh, so, so diversification, you're right. If you talk to someone about diversification, they, they're usually they'll say, well, you know, I've, I've bought a few different shares, so, so I haven't got all my, my eggs in one basket. You know, I've, I've actually spread it. I've got, uh, I've got Amazon, I've got Microsoft, and I've got Apple. So, so I'm, I'm well spread. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and then the conversation starts because, you know, the, the unintended consequences of buying let's say a few shares where, and, and you know, and, and those are three really nice examples because you, know, you could say, well, hang on, you know, Amazon's a retailer, you know, uh, you know, Microsoft isn't. And, and, you know, and, and what about, uh, you know, what about anything else? Any other big tech company? How do I, you know, how can you say that they're all the same? They're actually very different. And the answer, the answer is that in the investment markets, when someone uh, as an investor becomes fearful about tech, they're not going to distinguish between you know Amazon, Apple, and Microsoft. They're just going to sell tech, uh, and 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 all of a sudden you realise your diversification wasn't as helpful as you thought, and and you know if you if you get a little bit more radical, for example, you say well you know in South Africa, I believe that South African companies are a bit undervalued, so I'm going to buy you know let's say a bank, I'm going to buy a retailer or two, you know not the online retailers, but just you know normal retail. I'm going to buy Mr. Price and Pick and Pay or something like that. And, and and so you go, and and all of a sudden you realise that actually all of those shares are very sensitive to interest rates. And you know if interest rates go in an unexpected direction, 
your, your investment portfolio suffers. So, so I think just understanding that when we talk about diversification, it's, it's, you know, it's that age-old thing of don't put all your eggs in one basket, but we need to understand that the, the basket uh, needs to be fairly big. You know, and it, it needs to be, uh, you know, firstly on shares. You know, if we're talking about shares, that means don't just buy a few shares in one market. You've got to buy lots of shares in various markets, you know, and if you can try and spread it across the globe, you know, and so I'm not saying avoid South Africa, you know, you should definitely have some South African there, but, but you can't, you surely can't have all your, your, your eggs in the South African stock market or the American stock market. It's got to be across the world. Uh, and, and so that's a starting point, but, but then we've got to add other things in there as well. You know, you, you've got to look at having a bit of cash, got to make sure you've got some, uh, you know, some bonds, you know, and, 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 potentially uh, property companies as well. Uh, and then, you know, people who are really fearful about the state of the world, you know, they might have some gold in there, you know, they might buy some gold coins and the like. And I think the important thing here is we're not saying that you, you diversify because that's the best way to get the maximum capital growth in a one-year period. Uh, you, you diversify because what you want is, you know, the, the bulk of your investments to be growing consistently. But the problem is we don't all know which investments are going to do well at particular points in time. Exactly. So you've got to have so a huge we need to get to the how here, Warren, because you're beginning to tie me in knots because this is precisely where I'm sitting. I'm sitting, I, need, I don't know what to do. Um, so you're sitting and you go, well, then I'm going to buy the S&P 500. Ha! I'll buy the, the JSE Top 40 Index and the S&P 500 until you go, okay, the Top 40 Index of the JSE is dominated by five companies. Oh, and so is the S&P 500. Actually, those five companies that I thought I was diversifying in when I bought Apple, Facebook, uh, Microsoft, and uh, the other one, um, uh, actually, they the big gorillas within the S&P 500 too. So even buying an index nowadays isn't really diversifying, or is that sufficient? I think it's maybe a case of saying, well, be careful of buying a country-specific index only. So, so in other words, if we're if we're saying, okay, you know, you can't just buy the top forty index, and as you say that very correctly, um, it's massively exposed to four or five, you know, shares. Then, then perhaps what you need to do is say, well, well, I can I can buy the top forty index with a portion of my money, but but I also need to buy the world index. Uh, because the world index, you know, has a, does have exposure to the American market, but it's but but the but then your 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 exposure to something like an Amazon or a, you know an, an Apple and the like is much smaller, uh, because now you've also got exposure to Europe and you've got exposure to the UK and Japan, uh, and and I, I would I would probably add another you know an, another index to that, which would be the you know the emerging market index, uh, because that gives you much bigger exposure to Taiwan, South Korea, and China uh, among, you know, as the biggest emerging markets in that index. So, so it becomes then, then relatively easy to say, well, okay, now I've got, now I've got some decent uh, share exposure, but, but I can also buy you know, a world bond index you know, to get the bond exposure and let, let's say a world property index to, to, to get that, you know, that, that, that exposure as well. Um, you know, and if you must buy gold, you know there, there are those that do. Then you know, buy a gold exchange traded fund. You know, it, it it performs very differently to the rest of those in the, in the indices that we've been talking about. So so you can do this with probably five or eight uh, exchange traded funds um, as a maximum, and have incredible diversification. You know, and and I don't think it's that complex anymore. If you if you if you do it that way becomes massively complex if you want to buy the individual shares and put together your own portfolio um, you, know, you know and make sure it's properly diversified I, I think that's you know th th that's a really big thing to do can you ever be too diversified 
Yep, you can. So, so I think in you know in, in the South African market, for example, uh, you know people I've I've actually seen this, and it's it's not um, I mean it's not to deride people. I think it's 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 an education exercise where they'll buy three versions of the top forty index. You know, feeling that they've got a, a good spread. Or um, I see it a lot in the unit trust world. You know, you'll, you'll see someone will go to an advisor who doesn't know much about investments. The advisor will say, I'm going to buy you four different unit trusts, uh, you, you know, to give you proper diversification. They're all going to be on the, on the, you know, the equity yeah. market. In other words, just buying JSE shares. And what happens is, you know, you, you, they, they divide it equally, you know, 25% into each. And all of a sudden, what you've got is just an incredibly expensive index because what one fund manager is not buying in the portfolio, the other one is buying. And so what you've got is over diversification because yeah. you actually don't have, you don't have what you think. No, absolutely. It's a, it's it's uh, one finds that a, a lot of the time. Okay, question for you this evening. It comes from Kevin Ackerberg. Now, Kevin says he's turning sixty. Um, he's got a, a retirement annuity with Sunlam that is maturing on the first of May. He's only sixty. He doesn't need the money right now, but he wants to get full value out of this twenty-five-year investment. Sunlam's given him some choices: extend the terms, continue to grow the investment, or start drawing an income. If I don't decide, they will automatically reinvest the value of, into a guaranteed capital fund. Uh, he's currently paying six and a half thousand rand a month, but from May, he doesn't want to pay any more than 150 rand if he leaves it with them. He certainly doesn't want to continue paying six and a half. If he continues, he'll only contribute, okay, 500 rand. And he'll still have a 400,000 rand bond, and he wants to increase those payments. So he wants to stop contributing to the investment and start contributing more to his bond to get rid of that. What should he do other than staying in the investment? That is Kevin's question. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to think about it. I'm back with you in a moment. The Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. So Kevin has been contributing to an RA for 25 years. He's currently paying in 6,500 rand a month. From May, he can keep the retirement annuity in place and make smaller contributions. And he's considering that and then taking the money he was paying into the RA and getting rid of his 400,000 rand bond. That's fine. I think he's thinking quite clearly there, Warren. But are there any alternatives that he could do? Yeah, there, there definitely are, Bruce. I think, uh, you know, a couple of things. One, he is, firstly, he's not obliged, um, or Kevin, Kevin's not obliged to leave the money with Sunlum when that, uh, when that RA comes to maturity. So, for example, uh, he could actually transfer that, that, that RA to another company and, and say, well, you know, I'm, instead of being in an insurance setup, I'm going to go to a Unitrust company or I'm going to go to an index provider and, and, and then continue the life of the RA. So, so I think it's important to note that you know, if you get to the end of a term, uh, you, you know, you've got a few options. One, you can continue where you are and just let the term carry on. But uh, really critically, you can't make that decision after the maturity date. So, you know, if they're saying, you, you know, May is your, your, your the, the, or April is the end of the, the, the term and you, you've got to make a decision, you really have to tell them, you know, early in the month, uh, you know, at, at the very latest, let's say early in the month of April, that you actually want to continue. And 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 at that point then say, well, I'm happy to leave it with you. This is going to be my 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 contribution. As he says, you know, the, the minimum that they, that they can do is 150 rand a month. And if that's what he's happy with, then by all means. But but just to know, importantly, Kevin, that you can move that whole amount to an, another uh, another company. And let's say a Unitrust company uh, or an index provider, what they're going to do is they're not going to oblige you to stay on a contract. In other words, they're not going to say to you, you have to contribute 
500 rand a month, uh, you know, um, for, for the next five years. You, you can decide to contribute a certain amount just in the month of February because that's, you know, the, the end of the tax year, or you can decide to do a debit order. They, they might give you a minimum. They might say you can't do less than 500, but, but they're not going to oblige you to do that and then charge you penalties. What are uh, the two or three things uh, that Kevin must consider? It definitely should not leave it uh, invested in the guaranteed capital fund because that's that's a really bad idea. You need to be exposed to to markets. Uh, so, so I think he needs to look at the cost. So, so the first thing is don't just automatically renew with the insurance company. Ask them what the fees are going to be. How much are they going to charge in, in a new sort of an upfront commission? Because it effectively that you know that's a, a renewal of a, of almost a new policy as far as they'll see it. Uh, so understand what those what, what those costs will be. Understand what the investment options are. Um, if he's going to leave it there, or or then you know look at look at some alternatives. If those fees at the insurance company are too high, uh, and and you know consider a balanced fund. You know, I think something like a guaranteed capital fund you know presumes that you're going to draw on the money in the next year or two. And someone who's 60 um, or 65, you know, might live for 20 to to kind of 35 years, you know. So so you've got a long time frame to invest. So, so, you know, please don't just go and choose the the lowest risk portfolio possible just because you're close to someone's idea of a retirement age. You know, you you need to plan for your whole of your life. So, So to me, plan for 100, you know, to the age of 100. Got you. Thank you very much for that, Warren. Then uh, a a question that uh, I'm intrigued by. What is a bond yield? So, so bond yield, just to, just to give a, a kind of a very relevant example now, let, let's say you bought a, a South African government bond 10 years ago, and it was one of those where, where they said, you know, you, you can buy it from us now, we're going to pay you, let's say it's, uh, you know, 10% interest a year for the next 30 years, and you're going to pay us, let's say it's a thousand rand per unit, you know, whatever that is. So, so at the, what that means then is you're getting, you know, a nice amount of money. You're getting a hundred bucks for every year on your on your thousand rand investment, um, and and you know you 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 paid the thousand rand. Now what happens is uh, interest rates have been dropping, as we as we should all know, and all of a sudden it's quite hard for people to get an interest rate. Well, it's um, nearly impossible to get an interest rate of ten percent anywhere safe. So, so um, you know, let's say you bought the bond ten years ago, Bruce. Now, if I know you've got that bond, I might come to you and say, I'll actually pay you more than a thousand rand for for that bond, because I, I'd like that interest rate that you're getting. So I'm going to pay you, let's say, a thousand one hundred rand. And so suddenly the, the interest rate, which is what they call the yield, that, that, that becomes something that floats a bit more now because now it's going to be 100 rand over um, 1,100 rand as the price of the bond. So, so what we need to know is that the, the, the yield or the, or the interest rate of a bond uh, moves in the opposite direction to the price because if interest rates are falling, people are going to pay a bit more to get a higher interest rate. So they'll pay up on the price of the bond. Uh, whereas if interest rates are rising in a bond, what it tells you is that um, is that the price of the bond is falling. And that's what we're seeing in America at the moment, that the, where all of a sudden interest rates are rising. Uh, that means the price of bonds is collapsing, and that's causing all sorts of panic and fear in, 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 the, in the bond market in America. Uh, and, and the same could happen here in South Africa. We've just seen the Reserve Bank say they're maintaining interest rates now, but there will come a time, whether it's two or three or four years, where they'll start to say, no, no, we're going to raise interest rates again, and, and that will cause the price of bonds to fall. So, so yield or interest rate on bonds, critical thing for, for the bond market, uh, because that's what determines price. 
Uh, and as we know, the bond market is a much bigger market than the stock market. So that's really the thing we need to keep our eye on. When, when, when that gets uh, crazy and, and fearful, that, that causes really big movements in the world's markets everywhere. But it's not happening here, not yet. Not yet. I, I think, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, the foolish person makes a prediction, but, but what we do need to know is interest rates in South Africa are at decade lows. And unfortunately, when that happens, you need to know that at some point, interest rates will start to rise. At the moment, the, the Reserve Bank's not worried about uh, the inflation in South Africa, which is the thing that they focus on. So if, if inflation is, is kind of at expectation or below expectation, th then the Reserve Bank's going to be very happy to leave uh, the, the interest rates as they are, gotcha. in, in which case the, the, the bond yields are okay. But when we start to see uh, inflation ticking up beyond expectation, uh, you know, that's going to be probably around four and a half percent. Then all of then the reserve bank's going to pay attention very closely to, to, to um, interest rates. And that's the biggest tool they use to control inflation. And so then, then you might see that, uh, that, that, that we see rising inflation or uh, interest rates, sorry, but, but for now we should enjoy it. We should obviously be paying off our debt uh, and, and enjoy, you know, this little bit of uh, good news that we've got in our, in our lives. Absolutely. Warren Ingram, thank you very much. Warren Ingram with Galileo Capital.